Jim, thank you for uh, giving us this opportunity, and thank you to our bishop. I'm Father Jason, and we're here to do part two of our vocation specials, focusing on the joy of priesthood and the uniqueness of each individual priest that God has called. And joining with me today, uh, during this next hour, I have two incredible priests from the Diocese of Trenton. I'll let them introduce themselves. Thanks, Father. Uh, my name is Father Dave. I'm the pastor of St. Martha's in Point Pleasant. And uh, 13 years a priest, very happy to um, be out there. And the bishop said that if I did this radio show, he'll never transfer me. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let everybody listen out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure the bishop is listening right now. <laughs> My name is Father Stan Lukaszewski, better known in the Diocese of Trenton as Father Stasz, because there's no, nobody can ever pronounce the last name. So, uh, And I grew up in a Polish parish, so Stasz is so familiar. I've been a priest for 42 years. Uh, just re uh, yesterday was one year I retired from active ministry, but in many instances I'm still active because I'm helping out in various parishes yeah. and stuff like that. So uh, this year, but I'm glad to be here to be with all of you on this uh, wonderful occasion. And you recently got made a Monsignor, too. I did? I, that's news to me. I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, did you? I didn't know that. No. Well, so our, well, so what Father Jason is talking about is, so this is normally the bishop's hour, and one of us three are going to be the next bishop here, I guess, and Father Stosh is leading. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too old. I'm yeah. too old. So uh, 42 years, That's that. I think that number is the secret to the meaning of life in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Isn't yeah. it 42? Yeah, 42, 42 years, May 19, 19, 1979. And, I, you know, it, my, my years in the priesthood have been really beneficial. I, I had— a lot of wonderful assignments. Uh, I met an awful lot of wonderful people uh, this year. Uh, each each of my assignments gave me a different perspective on my priesthood. And and uh, this year, I always remember the one particular one, and that was in New Monmouth, St. Mary's. Sure. Uh, this year, uh, we had a high school and a grammar school, and always involved, you know, especially with the grammar school, because I like being with the little ones. And the big ones always frightened me a little bit, the big kids, you know. But uh, it, it, one of the joyful things about my stay there at St. Mary's was uh, Thanksgiving Day, the day before we had a mass for the kids, and then Thanksgiving for what they were ble their blessings. And, and so this kid was thankful for this, with another child for that, whatever. But then I was coming to the end, because they were all starting to repeat themselves, when one little kid, ra she raised her hand, and I said, yes, sweetheart, what are you thankful for? And she said to me, she says, I'm thankful for you, Father Stosh. Oh, I said, wow. you are. I said, why? She says, because you make Jesus happy for us. Hey, that's you know, great. That was the best compliment I that's ever got great. in my entire life, you know. And I always think of that little girl at Thanksgiving time, you know. But it's been a great, oh, a great run, 42 years. It's been really great. Before we jump into uh, some of our conversations, I just want to share with uh, the viewers out there, uh, we mentioned in the last, last month uh, that we were planning a vocations barbecue event to invite guys who were thinking about priesthood or who had the thought of priesthood at some point to have that opportunity to explore a little bit, to get an understanding of discernment, uh, to meet our dis uh, seminarians and as well as to talk with our bishop. And so we had that just the other week at St. John's Parish. Um, thanks to Father Mike Wallach and the parish staff over there that made it possible for hosting, um, providing everything that we needed for a fun evening. We had over 20 new guys uh, that came wow. to that, which was incredible. It was awesome. Was it like, uh, was it real formal? Was it informal? Like, you know, did you have like cornhole and like, you know, or did you have like you prayed vespers and like, you know, what was it like? Well, we did, uh, we started like off I, with if mass, I wanted to of go, course. We started like, off with yeah. mass, of course, with the bishop. And 
You know, of course, we did it on the Solemnity of Saints Peter and Paul, which was mm-hmm. a perfect day to look at discerning priesthood because, you know, two great examples in those two apostles. Pillars of the church. The two pillars, absolutely. And so the bishop started us off with a beautiful liturgy uh, and really kind of set the tone uh, for the evening. And then we had an opportunity just to kind of socialize. The seminarians really interacted well with, with the different guys and got to get answer questions and whatnot. And then as the barbecue went on, we had an impromptu eating competition between one <laughs> of our seminarians and one of the boys who was open to discerning. Uh, you know, it's an argument as to who won. Uh, they both had more food than anyone should possibly be able to eat. Uh, but that was entertaining. Uh, and then, of course, we had uh, hatchet throwing. Hey, uh, which really popular, which man. was controlled and safe, not to worry, for those who are listening. Uh, <laughs> Nobody was, lost their head. Did no, no one lost their head. A few arms here and there, but, you know, everything's all right. Uh, but it was actually a great experience because it was just great seeing all these young men come together, uh, having fun, you know, being able to socialize. But most importantly, what I really love about these barbecue events that we do is that the aim is really to kind of help demonstrate and to show that they're not alone in thinking about priesthood. Because mm-hmm. I know when I when I was thinking about priesthood when I was younger, I was the only one I knew that was thinking about priesthood. I didn't have anyone else who was thinking about sure. becoming a Catholic priest. Sure. I don't know if what it was. Well, you knew. Well, I, I, knew, I knew a lot of priests in my home <clears throat> parish, and uh, this year, that was kind of one of the great influences in my life. Uh, I remember when I was going to go into the seminary, I, I said to my mother, I said uh, this year, I think I'd like to become a priest. And, and she started crying. And I said to her, why are you crying? And she said, oh, I thought you were going to get married. You could give me children and everything like this. <laughs> and I said to my father, I think I'm going into the seminary to become a priest. And he said, good, but be a good one. You know? Amen. So, oh, yeah, amen. Amen. amen for that. So, yeah. But the priests in the parish, the priests in the parish really lived the, 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 the sense of priesthood. And, and you were part of their lives, you know. And uh, this year, maybe because it's an ethnic parish, it was a Polish parish, and I spent a lot of time down there, and it kind of became a part of my life. So... It was, uh, I had that kind of influence, and that influence was still carries me through even up till this present day. You know, that, that influence was something that we definitely saw at the Vocations Barbecue, too, because a few of the boys indicated that the reason why they were there was because their parish pastor had encouraged them to seriously consider attending. And yeah. so um, that was really what they needed to make that decision to come. And so, so the, the, the parish priest can still be a very influential uh, part yeah. of, of Father the Jason, what were the ages, like the age range of the... So most games? of the guys were in the latter years of high school, college. We had a few post-college, and we had um, one 13-year-old. One he was the youngest. He was mm-hmm. a little bit you know, you know, out of the ordinary in age grid gap-wise. Um, so it was, a, it was a nice mix, but you know, predominantly 15 to probably 23 was the dominant. Yeah, good ages. I, I think yeah. it is common for people to think... Uh, well, my seat just fell down here. <laughs> I think it's common for people to think about priesthood. Because when we do our confirmation interviews at the parish, myself and the DRE and the youth minister, we ask them, hey, do you ever think about becoming a priest or a nun? And some of them, like a lot, actually a good number of them do. I think it's common, but you know what's not common is to talk about it. And so that's right. great that, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, that, I had the same experience as, as you, Father Jason, that, you know, I was thinking about becoming a priest, but I didn't know anybody else who was thinking about it. But it seems to be a I mean, if you you know if you love our Lord and it's going to be courteous, hey, I should be a nun, I should be a priest. So that's pretty great that uh, yeah. you know you bring those guys together and they see, hey, they're not alone thinking that. And people are listening right now. If you're thinking about being a priest, unless you're married, right? <laughs> you're already married. It's too late for you. Or it's not just only walking around with your hands folded, but you can really have a good time, you know? And, right. Exactly. Well, so wait a minute, exactly. Father Stosh. So priests don't just like wait, 
Like, we've got to put these together. Priests are throwing axes. They don't just walk around with their hands I, folded I saw all the time. I the picture of that. I, I said, oh, my God, what a different generation this is. <laughs> Spiritual Usually combat. Usually people throwing you the get axes ready at you and then <laughs> yeah, throw at each other. You know. It's well, putting on the armor of God in and all then, different yeah, ways. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. And the bishop, the bishop was there, and, and yeah, the like, bishop spent the whole the whole evening with us, and I'm pretty confident he talked to every single one of the guys great. that was there, which is honestly a tremendous blessing. I think we're really blessed in Bishop O'Connell. I mean, he takes a real active interest in vocations and in the men who are thinking about priesthood, who are preparing for priesthood, and of course, as we all know, he's very invested in his priests. Absolutely, uh, which is absolutely remarkable. What, did he throw an axe? <clears throat> he did not. He did okay. not. I was oh, curious if he like mentioned any priest's name when he was throwing the axe. <laughs> Stash. <laughs> the, there was definitely some coaxing to try to get him to do it, but he but he, he, did, he not. did not. So, but you, but you know, the bishop is right uh, when he says, you know, you could you could put posters up and you could put all kinds of bulletin announcements, but it's that personal touch. Mm-hmm. You know, that reaching out, you know, and to say to this person, how about thinking about the priesthood, you know, and so forth and so on. Because I think that's how you're going to get these vocations. And things like this, you know, foster more. You see more of it happening, you know, it, it stirs them. You know, Do you think grandparents could, are uh, a good avenue for that, Father Stosh? Because I, I, I sometimes, think, I mean, moms, sometimes moms are, moms are an obstacle, actually, uh, from what well, I've heard I, a couple I think times, parent, but, and moms and dads kind of like, they would like to see their children grow up have children, you get married, you know, have a family and stuff like that. But I think grandparents, you know, are very much uh, into this, especially they're practicing more and more their faith, you know, uh, that they would love to see their grandchild enter into the seminary or religious life of some sort. But uh, but, but you've got to convince the parents, you know. The parents need uh, to open up a little bit more, you know, so that they could, uh, what do you call, uh, see the benefit of it and the benefit for their child, their, their son, or daughter in a religious life, you know, you know, as well. Yeah, I think it is one of the things, you know, in talking to the young men who have been making application over the last couple of years as vocation director is that, you know, parents want their, their sons to be happy and and not all parents think priesthood is is an avenue that leads to happiness. And you know, and it's it's one of those things that, you know, we certainly want to dispel because it's not the case. I mean, mm-hmm. we're we're here and we've all got giant smiles on our face <laughs> and are having a blast and uh you know, and, and we're just a small segment of yeah. of the diocese of Trenton. It's, it, it is, a, you know, it's a it's one of the advantages I think the religious order guys have um, for vocations. And what is that like? You can't see out there. Father Jason right now is saying, "No, Father Dave, don't talk about the religious order." No, but <laughs> what I mean by that is, what our people don't often see is priests just being able to like have fun and goof around together. Because you 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 may see one guy mm-hmm. at your parish, and maybe he's the only guy there. But if you got to go to these big priest events, you know, mm-hmm. like I don't want to scandalize anybody. We do complain about parishioners. There's a lot of you that we have a right to complain about. <laughs> but like outside of that, like guys, we have a great time. Like the guys are laughing and goofing. Like I mean, you know, if you're in the army, like you know, if you talk to people in the army or these different services, they all have stories of just like goofing around and, and having fun together. And and that's certainly true. Yeah. You know, the mirth that is there amongst us. Because most of the times they see you just behind the altar. You know, they just see right. you. You know, walking around with a collar on your around your neck, but they don't see those other times. You know. And, and even like when we go on those convocations and stuff like that, exactly. you know, uh, sometimes if those things could be shown, you know, in, in recorded form of some sort, could be also another way of luring more young people. Hey, look, they know how to have fun, you know. They know, how to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Some guys start singing, some, you know, it, like life just happens and yeah, it's, just, you know? it's just great. Yeah. yeah, I actually just went with uh, the other day uh, with two of our seminarians rock climbing for the first time. One of them, uh, Nick, is uh, kind of a pro at it. And uh, Colby and I, it was our first time, and 
it was it was a fun experience you know it's like you know it was it was interesting you know the three of us doing it and my forearms got pretty sore fairly quick uh <laughs> but you know you're getting old i'm not getting old no come on uh <laughs> uh indoors was, outdoors was a, what's that indoor outdoor it was indoor rock climbing wall at rockville climbing center in hamilton that you know it was something just sort of discovered on apple maps it was like oh what is this <laughs> and uh and then the three of us decided, let's go do it. And so we did, and it was it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, it, it immediately brought us all to thinking about uh, Blessed Pierre Giorgio Forsati, who the bishop named as our patron for vocational uh, recruitment in the mm-hmm. diocese, who was a rock climber. Uh, he himself never was a priest, but uh, definitely had the Catholic lifestyle um, and the desire to grow in holiness, which is what our bishop is hoping every young man who steps forward for the priesthood is going to emulate. And so, uh, kind of in his example, we did the rock climbing, and so it's like normal activities. Yeah, you know, it's, well, it's what's cool there in his life on top of the mountain, and not certainly having fun to get certainly having fun together in activities. But when you get out in nature, like if you unplug a bit and get out in nature, um, boy, God speaks to you, right? The heavens proclaim the glory of God. I know when I was thinking about becoming a priest and like breaking up with my girlfriend, and could I actually, you know, I told Jennifer Aniston, "Look, I'm sorry, it's not going to work out." No, that's a long she said, joke. My she sang, oh, know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. I said, "Let's just be friends." No, but there's an inside joke. But I, I hiked the app. I did a bit of the Appalachian Trail, and I'm like, "All right, God, you know, I'm going to do this, and it, you know, let's talk about this together." And you know. When you're out there in nature in the wilderness, I mean, the Desert Fathers in our Catholic mm-hmm. tradition, we have a lot of that. But you get out there in nature, right, your head gets clear, you get that internal peace, and God can speak to you. You know, and you can start to hear, like, hey, like you called Abraham, you know, or Moses, you know, hey, come on, follow me. So that's, I mean, Pierre Giorgio for sure knew that. Yeah, you know, I think there's something to be said about that because, I mean, there is something when you kind of eliminate the distractions of the world, when you just kind of get in touch with yourself, that makes it so much more easier to be able to hear the voice of God you know, I know that's that's why I sometimes like just doing some things that are uh, just mindless activities because they don't require you to do a whole lot. I think I know you you used to mow the lawn at, at your parish. I do. I just, you know, and and if somebody needs really a lawnmower, I still, I still father do every Thursday at my nephew's house. <laughs> and, and I find that very peaceful and refreshing, you know. so. But one thing I do find now that I'm retired is I walk around about a mile uh, around uh, Villa Vianney. And uh, this year, and many times it's so peaceful and quiet. Uh, sometimes I'll bump into some deer, you know, and look at the deer. And But I find it like almost like a daily retreat, you know, mm-hmm. coming away from all the laughter, the work and the helping in parishes and stuff. But that walk around the Villa Vianney, the one-mile trek, you know, uh, I find it very, very relaxing. And also, uh, but I, I pray along the way too. You know, I just talk to the Lord from my heart. You know, I don't have the rosary in my hand or anything like that, but I talk to him from my heart. And I really feel a real sense of, comfort and peace, you know, this year after I get back to the front door of the, of the villa. So it's, uh, I agree, you know, it's sometimes you need to get out there and see something else that can be uh, influential. Yeah. Yeah, I know every summer I go to Alaska. Uh, well, not last summer because of the COVID, but just being up there in the mountains. I, I volunteer, for those who don't know, I volunteer every August. I take my vacation. We get four weeks. It's great to be a priest. You get four weeks of vacation. Uh, you get a nice, you get a nice signing bonus right there, uh, and I, I usually take all four weeks, and I'll go and I'll volunteer up in the diocese of Juno Anchorage to give a priest up there some time off because they, you know, there's only nine. Get, and Trenton is where you want to be ordained, and you could go up there in the summer, but, like, <laughs> but they only have nine guys to cover territory the size of Florida. I mean, wow. it's huge, wow. uh, and they never get a break. Now there's a lot less Catholics up there. Obviously, like my parish up there, St. Teresa's in Skagway, has 17. I have 17 souls. 
the Care Force. So it's a huge wow. difference than anything we have out here. But, you know, just to be up there in the mountains, you know, I mean, everywhere you look, it's like National Geographic. It was the doorway to the gold rush. And, I mean, the gold is God speaking to you in the wilderness up there. It gets inside you. And, and you could just hear him a lot more clear, a lot more clearly. Like Jesus, when he wanted to be close to the Father, where did he go? Did he go to the mall? Nope. Where did he go? He went, went to the mountains. He went to the mountains. Yeah. So what are you looking for next? You're looking for uh, how many more locations? Well, you know, our, our goal every year is to uh, bring in three to five new guys. That's great. Um, and the last two years I've been vocation director. We've been blessed with uh, three new men entering uh, both years. Uh, and we have uh, potentially uh, four guys at this point who have expressed interest that are viable candidates Excellent. Uh, in application for the following year. Uh, potentially two more on top of that. So, so you know, what's interesting about it is is since I've become vocation director, our focus has been really on cultivating vocations from within the four counties of the diocese, from within the different communities in the diocese. We celebrate Mass in over 15 languages across mm -hmm. the diocese. And so we're really blessed with a diverse Catholic population. And, you know, in conversations with the bishop, when I first uh, started as vocation director, you know, the conversation centered around the idea that, you know, God has a church here in the Diocese of Trenton, and yep. so he's going to call men to serve in the church from the diocese. Mm -hmm. And so we really wanted to kind of put the effort uh, on trying to get the word out and help cultivate and nurture vocations. And and it's paying off because we're finding, as this vocation barbecue has shown, the vocations are there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of of nurturing them and and giving them the opportunity and and the resources that they need in order to grow in that understanding. And each one of the guys are are uh, unique. They all don't have to like look a certain way or act a certain way or yeah, laugh I mean, at certain they, jokes. I mean, yeah, they're all different. I mean, coming from all different walks of life, all different uh, areas of interest. Uh, you know, so it's like are there are, no no Packer fans, right? No Green Bay Packer fans. <laughs> no. I don't think so. Good, good. I think we're safe. <laughs> I think we're safe on that front. I think we're safe on that front. Well, let's face it, Father Dave, the first 12 were kind of odd, too, weren't they? <laughs> they were, yeah. And different in many, many ways, <laughs> right? And they haven't changed ever since that time, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because when you think about the first 12 apostles, they were all kind of screw-ups and failures. <laughs> so it's like when you really look at it, I mean, they all ran away. Well, some of the – well, for so, sure, yeah, for, <laughs> for sure, yeah. Yeah, so they weren't exactly the uh, role models of, of, of I leadership. I always said to the confirmation because they weren't the shiniest light bulbs in the package. No, no. But they're getting a little bit brighter as time going along. <laughs> but I, I, I think that's the beauty of it is because what we see in the scriptures is that all 12 of them in their imperfection learned to let go. And then God worked through them in an unbelievable, amazing way. And I think that's that's the beauty of it, you know, with young men who are thinking about priesthood as, as we all were at one point, is that at some point we have to recognize that it's true, we're not worthy to be a priest. None of us are. Um, but it's by being open to God's grace that he can transform us and work in and through us as one of his priests. And can you open that up? What do you mean transform us? I know what you mean, but for, for our people listening, <laughs> like God's grace is going to transform us. So let's say I'm a young guy. I'm thinking about becoming a priest. But like, like, and I hear I hear the vocation director say God's grace is going to transform me. What, what does that mean? Like, what is it? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, what it really comes down to is that, you know, we all have, you know, struggles. We might have uh, some some aspect that we're not overly thrilled with, um, but we might find that, you know, so we're not comfortable speaking in front of people, maybe. Mm -hmm. I certainly wasn't. Um, you know, it's kind of funny because I was always the, when I was younger, the guy who could get up and make a total fool of myself in front of a large group of people, but it, 
when it came to doing presentations in school, forget it. Mm-hmm. I would just clam up and shut down because I just couldn't do it. You know, so that was something that was really kind of something that it's like, there's no way I can be a priest. I'm not getting up there and preaching in front of a thousand people, you know, on the weekend. You know, that's not not you are on the radio. Not gonna happen <laughs> right now I'm on the radio Amen. and not do that good. all the time. Yep. But you know, it's funny. I still get nervous every time I preach. That hasn't gone away. But what what has changed though is that I've got the courage right. by the grace of God to be able to do it. And I think that's that's the transformative action that takes place. So it's like. That was something that caused me to be very hesitant about, can I really do this? Is this really something I can respond to, to the vocation? Um, and, you know, when I let go and let God finally yeah. take control, he, he did what he needed to do so that I would have the ability to. You know, I could, I could associate with that, Father Jason, because, you know, before I entered the seminary, I worked, uh, I went into the military. I was in the military for about four years uh, with the New Jersey National Guard. And then I uh, went to work in supermarket business. And, you know, dealing with people, you know, mm-hmm. in the transaction of business uh, gave me the ability to be able to talk in front of people and stuff like that. But, you know, uh, by, uh, when I became a priest uh, this year, every time I go to the pulpit uh, this year, I always get like a little nervousness yeah. in my stomach. And the pulpit, many times, uh, the first parish I was in, St. Mary's, we had a, a marble pulpit and St. Dennis in Manasquan also. And every time I would come away from that pulpit, it was always wet. <laughs> oh, oh. And my, hom- my homily was soaking wet, you know, whatever. But yet I could sit in front of anybody and whatever and not have that, that feeling. But once I get in front of a big congregation, because I guess I'm always trying to make sure I do everything perfect. Right. And, I, and, that's, and that's where yeah. I had to learn to let God take yeah. over. I got the material. God worked through me, in me, to these people in front of me, you know. And, and I felt that now it doesn't get wet too much. You know, I, I combated that, you know, whatever. You know, and I, I always find it interesting, too, because sometimes the homilies that I spend a tremendous amount of time on and I'm like, I really like this homily. This is a good one. Um, those are the homilies like you get no feedback on. Yep. But it's the homily that after you've given it, you kind of put your head down before going over to start the creed, and you're just like, this was just a bomb. This was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one everyone loves. <laughs> and weeks later, you'll hear a comment from someone saying, you know that homily? When you that said you that. Yeah. It's like, that really moved me. And I'm just like, wow, that was the homily I thought was horrible, and that, and that was the one everyone loves. Yeah, when, when you I always think that, you know, it's like we have to tell people what God wants them to hear, and that may not be what we want to hear, what have you, but you, when you give that, like, Lord, what do you want to say to your people? When you say right. that, you think, well, all right, well. Lord, I said what you wanted me to say. I don't think that was a big hit. And then someone's like, "Hey, that that was just for me." You know, that, that meant a lot. And different guys do it do it differently, right? Every yeah. everybody everyone does it differently, right? You have, you know, the priests who will be like Father Strumatoon, and you have like Father like he's always angry, right, or whatever. <laughs> but like you know, like there's all these different all these different guys. But in each of them, God's working, right? So that when I think of that transformative thing, I think. You know, when God, if God summons someone to the priesthood, if He's calling you out there to be the priest, you know, to feed His flock, He's calling you, right? Mm-hmm. So, right. like, you don't have to be anyone other than who He made you. Um, but you may need to do a little bit of a journey to figure that out a little more, right? Because right. the world certainly wants to tell you who you are, but God knows who He made you, sure. right? Right, and I, th- I think it's it's recognizing that every single gift that we've been blessed with is going to naturally come together and be utilized when we respond to the vocation that God's called us to, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And if it's priesthood, then you can certainly guarantee that God, in how he created you and with the gifts he's blessed you with, is going to want you to bring every single one of those into the priesthood. Right, so like if I like, um, I don't know, if I like remodeling cars, old, I don't know, 
I don't like remodeling cars, but if I did that, could I be a priest, <laughs> Father Jason? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's kind of funny because when I was in college, I knew a priest who was remodeling an old Rolls Royce. Oh, Did you not? Yeah, yeah, he was. He worked at the retreat center near Michigan State, where I went to college, and he rebuilt the Rolls Royce. Um, sadly, he ended up selling it after he finished it. Everyone said he should keep it, but he said no. Nah, it was it was more of the passion of of rebuilding it than it was having it yeah. uh, for him. But yeah, so hey, That's and cool. he was a priest. He was a retreat director. I mean, so you know, hey, you can awesome. do anything. Uh, you need a little extra a curricular activity to come away from something in order to go back into something. Right. You know, another thing, Father Jason, I was thinking, you know, when you were saying about this transforming power, uh, one of the things that helped me tremendously was that I spent a lot of time in my home parish. When I would come home, like from the seminary, I would go down and be, be a part of the parish, you know, and uh, be, around, uh, be around the priest, be around the parish and the congregation and so forth. And I think that enhanced it more and more for me that it was like putting the seal of approval, and I felt always very comfortable, you know, being, you know, for devotions, for mass, whatever it was, you know, and uh, having lunch even with the priest, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this is maybe something we need to tell our priests, you know, who have seminarians in their parish or are going to have seminarians in their parish, to, to kind of get them to spend time, spend time at the church, spend time at the rectory, you know, uh, this year, uh, even, even when I was ordained a deacon, which I always say I think was that we need to change this policy sometimes, but we were a whole year as a deacon. I was a whole year in Bradley Beach, mm-hmm. and it was a wonderful, wonderful experience to really say on that day, May 19th of the ordination, this is truly, I'm convinced, this is where God's called me to. So I think more and more, more exposure, more involvement makes that transforming power of God's presence dwelling in the individual, but also convincing person, you know, as well. I want to jump back to uh, to talk about God calling a particular person. So we give him a little love to one of my girls out there, St. Therese, the little flower, right? So why does she have the nickname, the little flower? Father Stosh, in 42 years of your sanctity, do you remember? <laughs> I, I just knew she, has a little, she was a little flower. That's little flower, all. right. So in her autobiography, like, if you had to write an autobiography, how would you start, right? So most people would be like, oh, I did this, I did that, I was born here and there. She writes her autobiography. There's a picture of her across the studio over there. Uh, she writes her autobiography. She's like, all right, so I have to write this because I'm told to write it by her sister who is her superior, which I guess her sister always thought she was superior. No. <laughs> but she's like, I was told I have to do it, so in obedience I'm writing this autobiography. And she's like, I'm going to use this to talk about the mercies that God has shown me. And she organizes her autobiography, The Story of a Soul, around, like, God showed me a mercy here, and he showed me forgiveness here. I mean, like, who thinks like that? Well, she mm-hmm. thinks like that. So where do we get to the little flower? So she's writing in the first parts of her autobiography, and she's like, you know, not everybody can be like a, a rose, a majestic flower like St. Augustine. Not everybody can be roses. Not everybody can be whatever, carnations or something. Um, she's like, I'll just be content to be a little flower, like a little wildflower you see on the side of the, the roadway, and if the Lord Jesus looks my way, I'll give him joy. I'll just be a little flower, right? So she writes her autobiography, and she becomes a saint. And what flower do we associate with her? <laughs> of course, the rose, right? Mm-hmm. Thanks be to God, right? In that she had a love for plays. Did she write a play when she was in the convent? The answer is yes. Sorry, I thought you guys knew that. Otherwise, no, I wouldn't no. have set you off. <laughs> right? Yeah, she wrote a, she wrote the, uh, a play about Saint uh, Joan of Arc, oh. right? Um, like God, you knew that. Yeah, I knew yeah. that. Like God takes you with the loves that you have. And sometimes he has to filter them, filter them a bit if they're not, you know, if they're not healthy. But otherwise, he'll use them. Like Saint Francis, obviously, loved being outside. Bam! Like Padre Pio, Padre, people don't know this. Padre Pio loved pizza. 
you can't walk into a pizza parlor in Jersey without seeing a picture of Padre Pio somewhere. Right? <laughs> oh, that's true. That's <laughs> like, true. The pizza. Right? Yeah, and he liked he liked practical jokes. Like he liked making jokes with the other guys. And there's lots of stories of him riffing and having fun with the guys. So that doesn't change. And and I guess so. When people, when families sometimes think, oh, my son or daughter is going to go into a religious life, or they're going to be unhappy. Well, hold on. Like, do they have loves right now? Like God, you know, He made the world and He made it good. That's like a like the Simpsons version of Catholic heaven. Everyone's like at a barbecue, right? Remember that? They're running around, yeah, yeah. pinching each other's butts, singing, yeah. drinking, like having a good. Like the world is great in, in Catholicism. I mean, it's not just in Catholicism, but the world God made good and the loves that He gives you. But He gave you, and some people like. I mean, we got a, we got a brother priest, Father Jim O'Neill. God bless him. I think him and St. Matthew, they're going to get along great in heaven because they both love genealogies. Father Jim, hello, Father Jim, if you're listening out there on your computer writing your Sunday homily. Like, like he'll tell you, well, this person was related to this person who was related to my aunt over here. Who and like He loves that, right? Um, God bless him. I don't have that love. <laughs> if you met my family, maybe you wouldn't either. No, I don't know. But like— the That's the gospel. I got to be honest. When that reading comes up, I'm always half happier. There's deacon around. Oh, deacon preacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then yeah. you don't have to worry about trying oh, to pronounce oh, all the genealogy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, genealogy. Yeah. One day you're going to meet Zerubbabel in heaven. One day, you know, you'll need two name tags. But yeah. like, but so like the loves that you have, God can still use them, sure. right? So like, and it's a funny thing. Like I've always loved music. I've always jammed with my family, and I would never think that I would have like a couple Catholic rap songs that, like, I would use to proclaim the gospel. But, like, now we put them on YouTube, and they had, like, you know, tens and thousands of hits and used, you know, rapping. Yeah, like, your YouTube station, Father it's Dave, blowing has, up. Yeah, blowing it's up. blowing up unbelievably. Oh, yes. I mean, you've had people South from Africa, Sudan, England, Ireland, all over wow. the United States. Um, really, really humbling. Our, our parish took in $108,000 from outside the state of New Jersey from people who just found our Mass online and said, hey, I like how you preach, or I like that you're you know, praying with us during COVID, helping us keep Sunday holy, here's 25 bucks, here's $100, here's $1,000. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Oh, yep. wonderful. The diocese takes her assessment of that. <laughs> but it's really great. And, and like you just, what the people love is, of course, reporting to Christ. Uh, but they also, you know, they see the uniqueness of the person, right? They look like, hey, Father Dave, he likes Doritos. He, they love my dog. I don't mind sharing my dog with people because I see God working that way at times, mm-hmm. you know. And you, ha- you mean, I know you have a love for dogs. Yeah. I had a couple in your time. Yeah. No, Did you ever have a dog, Stash? Never, when growing up, yes, but never never in a parish, you know, because uh, I always felt that if you live with a couple other guys, some of them may be allergic to the dog or whatever. But uh, this year, uh, I, didn't know you had, I didn't know you had a YouTube cha- channel. That's oh, huge. Look into it's huge. That one. Yeah. Or huge for for us, That's it's huge. It's sixteen thousand subscribers. Sometimes our views are like twenty eight thousand, yeah. thirty thousand views. I mean, it's there's so cool. many ways we can reach out there, you know, with the people and and helping people not only for vocations but even people for church. You know, coming back. I mean, this year, uh, uh, I, I try very hard to stand outside, shake hands with everybody. You know, get to try to remember their names and stuff like this. So this way, when they come to church, it's just like I'm not a number, but rather I'm a person. You know, and when I left St. Barnabas, uh, when I retired from St. Barnabas. Father Carlos and I both, you know, we, did, we interacted with each other back and forth with shaking hands with people and going in and out of the pews. I always thought he was going to be a politician. Right? He's a good guy, a <laughs> real you know? warm guy. But yeah. the thing is, is that people commented and said how wonderful it was to come to church on Sunday. It was like coming to my family's home for a reunion or whatever, or dinner or whatever. So, and I think, you know, again, go back to the vocations aspect. I think that's what we need to do. We need to kind of keep always on, the, on our young people Show them that we're human, but also at the same time we have a gift to offer 
and they have a gift that they could offer as well. And let's give all, share these gifts together and make uh, building that kingdom of God, you know. And, and I, I, I just hope and I pray for you every day that, you know, you get more and more young people coming in and asking questions. And if they ask questions, that's good because they're, they're looking. Now, what I want to know is, like, how many, like, so, Father Jason, what, what, well, I guess let me ask this question for our viewers. So, when you're a priest, do you have to drive a certain kind of car? Well, I think the answer to that question is you shouldn't drive certain types of cars over driving a certain type of car. Does that make sense? What kind of car are you driving right now, Father? So, I drive a um, Subaru Forester. I have a Subaru Forester as well. How many? Aren't they great cars? They're fabulous. They're it's a little a boxy looking, car. but they, they do drive room, wonderful. Very good cars. This is not sponsored by Subaru, is it? Jim? No. Jim? No, <laughs> no, not no yet. sponsorship not yet. by Subaru, Subaru. If you'd like to, call Father Jason. Um, <laughs> what I'd like to know, talking to the vocation directors, how, so Father Stosh, was, uh, you were just mentioning numbers. You're not a number, of course. How many people, how many seminarians do you need to come into the program before you can unlock like the Subaru WRX STI? When does the bishop give you like enough and like, no. Well, you know what? We actually do have a competition out there for, for pastors, if you remember uh, from two years ago when we put the email out there. So there is a contest. So whichever pastor can get five men in the seminary from his parish, there is a boosterella. Uh, do they have to, how long do they have to stay? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be right now. No. Yeah, Maybe we'll pay for your ticket to Alaska. Yeah, so, uh, you know, nice. so... You know, so there, there is a little of incentive out there to encourage priests to uh, have that conversation. You know, and it is one of those things, especially, um, you know, with the way things are these days, um, it's a little bit more tricky to talk to, to young people in the parish because they're just not always there. The youth yep. groups aren't as large as they used to be at one point. Right. I think in large part because I, I wasn't, I mean. You know, I never I'm, went to youth group, frankly. Yeah. You know, I didn't either, actually. I, I thought it was a little was hokey when I exactly. was in high school. <laughs> no offense. I have a youth minister. You're doing a great job, Bob. Keep it up. Now, when I was a youth minister prior to becoming a priest, I did a good job. I just want to admit. They still talk about it today. You know, yeah, they still talk about it today. Uh, but, you know, one of the things I, I think is, like, so the youth group programs are typically a little bit smaller, and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that, that our youth today in high school are in so many different That's things. Right. You know, if they're in a school sport, they're also on a travel league, right. you know, and then, you know, all these other extracurricular activities. So their time is just consumed. And so they're always going from one place to another place. And, you know, having been the chaplain at, at Notre Dame for the last five years, just hearing the schedules that some of these kids have, it they're out until like 8 p.m., not hanging out and socializing with friends, but because they're doing all these extracurricular activities. And so... But by the time a youth group gathering rolls around, they're either not available or exhausted, yeah, and they have to get homework. There was a benefit in COVID and slowing all that down. Yeah, there was. There really was. And so I think it's a lot harder to have that one-on-one FaceTime with the youth to be able to plant the seed, to invite them to consider a vocation to priesthood or religious life. Uh, but it's not impossible. It, it certainly is not impossible. It's just a little bit more difficult, but not impossible. I'll show you how old, how old I am. You know, when we had CYO when I was a kid, Everybody attended the CYO meeting on Monday night because that was the only night you could get out of the house and the, other <laughs> night, and the, and the church was well, our these salvation. They used to have CYO dances too, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. sure. So, oh, sure. oh wow. Yeah. We're not, I don't see parishes doing that. No, no. no. Can you imagine <laughs> like, though? It be, like, it'd be interesting. Yeah. Although I heard the Extraordinary Form community had a um, dance. More of a fo- but it would be more it was, of a formal, I would imagine, right? Yeah, no, they no. were all like post-21 and oh. it was – 
it was I, I thought it was kind of funny, but they did like a dance. They brought different extraordinary form communities together. It's interesting for socialization opportunities. I so thought, what's, oh, it, what's in my so, head is so like we all, we've all been to wedding receptions as priests, and sometimes they're they're a little scandalous the way yeah. people dance on the dance floor. I'm like, oh Lord, have mercy! Right? <laughs> like, well, let me look in the other direction. Right? So I don't know that parishes should be having dances like that, but. If it's more, I, I'm if pretty it's, sure if it's, it's a not safer like that. for the extraordinary form community. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I doubt that. Probably a that little was more the case. tame. Um, I don't think electric the music slide was maybe. Yeah, maybe a little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to bring back the old classic dancing. Like you know, there was actually like because I don't even know if you could really call what's dancing today dancing. I think it's too much rap music videos. I think like that inspired people to like just shake joints like you know what if your body bends in a certain way you just start vibrating that you know knee or hip or whatever i don't know that's necessarily dancing but yeah. like but I, what if what if like someone there's a young person out there who really wants to get into liturgical dancing the diocese of trenton is there an option for them no <laughs> <laughs> you know what's no, no, funny no, no, about I, that i think, I think, you got your, I think <laughs> my yeah, microphone that, got cut <laughs> yeah your microphone's been cut no uh, you know what's funny about that though is technically Prior to the opening collect and after the prayer after communion, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. But uh-huh. according to Cardinal Lorenzo, at least on that topic, I don't know if anyone's come out with a statement on it since, but um, I did see liturgical dancing once uh, when I was in college freshman year. Um, yeah, that kind of got stopped by the, by the diocese out there. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, they had. Maybe they had, had it I, you know, I'll just be honest. I don't think that anybody says, you know, I'm going to become a nun because I can dance in front of everybody in church. I don't know that that actually rings. Tr- I don't know. I was never inspired by anything that I saw in liturgical dance to like pursue no. priesthood, for what it's worth. But hey, you know, there could be people in different parts of the world that are dancing, and that's great. King David, right? He danced right, before the right. Lord. So, but sticking with that topic, because I, I do think there is something to be said about the liturgical presentation, and and not just in the sense of the style. Um, you know, because obviously there's a lot that can be said on that, but the genuineness with which the priest approaches the altar, I think, can speak volumes uh, to a young man in the pews who is thinking about priesthood or has had the call placed upon his heart. And I think that that's really when we think about, like, you know, there's a lot of different options that can be expressed and chosen by the, the priest mm-hmm. when he's mm-hmm. celebrating the Mass. But I think it's the genuineness of 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 how he approaches the altar and the sincerity in which he says the prayers that can really draw a young person into serious contemplation about a possible vocation. Absolutely, Father. And when you see, like, I mean, our culture now is celebrating authenticity. That's what our world loves, right? People who are, I don't know, who have memes and go whatever, are huge fans. I don't know, their, their numbers rack up real high online. It's because they're being authentic. They're dancing Absolutely. to something they love or jamming out with their guitar or playing with the dog or cat and when you see like a priest you know just like just share himself with the lord and his people and his love for christ and you know trying to share his heart with his people trying to convince them of the higher call that christ is saying and the challenge of the gospel whatever like that gets through to people they can Mm -hmm. tell when fathers went to you know homiliesonline.com and is just reading it but like with father stosh if you're preaching from your experience from your family like the people know that there's like another timber Tell your words. They always love through. Mother's Day because I always hear a lot of <laughs> stories about my mother. You know, but, but you know, I was just going to say, you know, people today are very educated. They're, you know, you're not dealing with just like uh, immigrants and people who just were built into the religion, but these are people today who are intelligent and so forth. They can really see the, sin, the genuineness, the sincerity that of, of what you're doing. Are you just performing, or you are actually praying? Yep. 
you know. Yeah. And and I think that's what catches a lot of people today. Uh, and this year, and then when they come out and they really say thank you so much, you really, or you you go to the hospital and you see them in the hospital, Father, thank you so much for all that you're doing and uh, so forth. And and I I see that, and and these people are sincere and genuine because they see you being sincere yep. and genuine. And uh, and I I even like going down the aisle, you know. I don't dance down the aisle, but <laughs> I can't dance by any means. But I go down the aisle, and I know I know one of our uh, liturgical uh, directors once said, you know, we don't shake hands with people, or whatever. But when the little kids are there, you know, I always put my hand out. Give me five. Yeah. Give me five. Oh, yeah, I do that sometimes, too. Yeah. If, if a little kid's got their hand out. Exactly. And, 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 and it's like, and, what are you going to do, ignore the little kid? Yeah. Like, no way. And, and one mother said to me one day, she said, you know, Father Stash, if we didn't even want to go to church this Sunday, she says, we have to go because my son and my daughter always say, we got to go because I want to see Father Stosh. I want to see him. I want to give him five that's again. Awesome. Oh, that's you know, that's awesome. So, so you got to you got to be genuinely yourself to bring them in, you know. And I and I that's that, that's been the success of my life for 42 years. I'm still that's doing it. God called even you. Now, you. He know? called you to be a priest. Yeah. It was a long road, but uh, but we made it. And then know? Father Stosh also used that to help raise uh, a lot of money there when he was in Madison. And he's like, "Give me five. And then to the parents, "All right, give me five hundred. <laughs> <laughs> they kept the five in their pocket. <laughs> so, you know, kind of building on that, what do you guys think is the biggest changes since you were ordained? I've only been ordained six years now, um, but you know, in in the time spans in which you've been ordained, what have you seen as the changes and the developments in the priesthood? Because I think some people think it's a static uh, existence, but the priesthood is always changing and growing because we're always changing and growing. So um, the changes, so there's been a lot of changes in the culture, I guess. Um, the changes to priesthood is kind of, I mean, you're the same. Like you're, you're, So God calls you, whoever you are, he calls you to be a priest, right, to be an icon of Christ and to bring your gifts forward, to help feed the people, to you know cooperate with the bishop's plan for, for his flock. But... Um, the I don't know. You're like a soldier in a sense. I, I always like that imagery of soldiers. When I gave a retreat to the seminarians, we watched um, one of the Marvel movies, uh, Doctor uh, Strange, and we talked oh, I about love that one. Yeah, it's well, he's called to be a spiritual hero to stand against yeah. the spiritual evils, protect the world, right? So we talk about that. But um, the 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 things they trained you for in the seminary are not at all the things that are the cultures foaming at the mouth and arguing about right now. And when I was in the seminary, it was like. The big issue we were talking about was, can women be priests? Well, no, they can't. Here's why they can't. And there's good reasons for that. This is not the radio show for that. But I did teach about it. You can find it on my YouTube channel, the Holy <laughs> Thursday. Check it out. But, like, um, a little plug there. But but those were, like, those. that was some of the topics we were talking about. But the culture, when I was ordained, I'm 13 years a priest now, um, the culture is all into, like, crazy gender issues and, and things like that and, and subjective realities of feeling in this – and. Well, so we got to answer that. So that's changed. Like the conversations changed out there. For priests ourselves, it's also we have a hyper politicized culture we didn't have when I was ordained even 13 years ago. Uh, so that's changed too. But you got to be able to speak into that reality. Um, but there's also fewer of us. Like mm-hmm. I just be honest. Like mm-hmm. uh, I was blessed to be at a parish. I was at St. Mary's in Middletown where Father Stosh was, uh, and I had two other priests with me: a great pastor, and another associate. Uh, now I like living by myself, but I am by myself, and when COVID hit, I was the guy going to the hospital. Like we we didn't know what was going on. I was going in there, and like, I mean, these people were dying. The hospitals were like war zones. All the machinery was on the floor, and you're just like going in there, and people are dying, breathing out in the air, and you're like, I, I can't see anything in this room, but something I can't see could kill me. And then you, you know, clean all your stuff and go into the next room and just do it again and again and again. And mm. 
like there's a lot less of us, I guess is, is what I want to say. And I don't, you know, hopefully this radio program will light fires in people's hearts and Father Jason will get that, uh, you know, WRX Subaru uh, and get a lot of people. But like um, but, there's a lot less of us. And so yeah. we're, people are coming a lot more with psychological needs that I didn't see early on because mm-hmm. there's a lot more brokenness going on. As far, um, as, far as a priest, though, as, and the person of a priest, uh, 42 years ago when I was ordained, it was kind of a little rigid. You know, you you had to ask the pastor to do this. You had to ask the pastor didn't to do that. Didn't they have, like, locks on the fridges and some oh, of the rectories? you weren't allowed <laughs> in the kitchen after a certain hour, you know, whatever. Oh. But but this year, but again, you know, uh, one, one pastor I lived with, in order for me to be able to do something, I had to convey it to him that it was his idea. So if, if, if it became his <laughs> idea, I was able to do it. Okay? Where now today I feel that there's more you know, working together. You know, there was a real sense of that, you know, I'm not just the pastor or the boss or whatever, but there, we work together. You know, I've, I've had associates in, in uh, Willingboro where I was for, for 12 years. Uh, we got along very, very well. Uh, this year in Manasquan, I was by myself. But then in, in Bayville, I had... Uh, uh, this year, an associate with me, a Spanish fella, and we got along extremely, extremely well because there wasn't that, you know, I'm the boss, you're, you know. Right. I mean, when I was ordained, a couple of my classmates would tell us they had to sit there. They couldn't sit over here because you were the low man on the totem pole. But now that has all changed. That's all changed. Yeah, and, you're you know, right, Father, because, like, you know, I mean, Father, God bless him, Father Pedro out there at um, St. Peter's, and Point Pleasant, right? So he's covering, he's by himself right now because his associate's on vacation. I'm like, hey, if you need me to come and say a mass for you guys or take something free, I will. And like, we kind of cross help each other out now. Like, yeah. you know, hey, if I can do a mass for you guys or hear a confessions or something, you know, like, as opposed to having that whole infrastructure inside the rectory and a lot of structure there, now it's like, I don't know, it's like a football team. Like, I'm going to run the ball this way. If you need me to block for you over there, I'll block for you over there. And the other thing that I was going to mention also, too, is that in my day, uh, we didn't have much gathering together with priests, you know, and it was like you were sent to a parish and you were there until you dropped dead, I guess, whatever. But <laughs> this year, uh, what do you call it? But now uh, we have these convocations, we have these gatherings and yeah. so forth. Yeah. And, and I think that's what helps us to get to know each other, to become comfortable with each other. Uh, this year, now I'm living in the villa with, with 27 other priests. Uh, it's, it's wonderful. It's great. It's like being back in a seminary, but with a different tone. You know, with a whole different view that we really are enjoying each other. We're enjoying our ministry. We're enjoying the the idea that when you say back crazy. in the seminary, Father, and maybe Jason, if you Father Jason, if you could weigh on this, like what do you mean by that? Back in the seminary, because you're saying that you can't see it on radio, but you're saying that with like a little bit of a light in your eye, like it's like a, it's, it's a good thing. What do you mean back in the seminary? Well, seminary like if was, I'm if I'm thinking of becoming a priest. I know the next step would be to contact the vocation director, right. and then seminary is a question. Right. So what is that like? Like, Because you're, you're speaking about it like as if it was a good thing. Oh, so, uh, the seminary I went to uh, this year, I went to Kentucky for four years. And, Fried chicken? And, uh, chicken? Uh, St. Mary's in Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> I had to learn how to eat uh, black-eyed peas and collard greens and all that kind of stuff, you know. But, uh, but the, the guys were really wonderful and, and great. They all came from different dioceses. You know, there wasn't just the one diocese. And then I went to Immaculate Conception in Darlington, up in Mawa, New Jersey. And, and again, that was a whole different perspective there, too. These guys were some from Patterson, you know, from, from Newark, of course, and Camden and Trenton, you know. But, uh, but it, it, it was a, a really a, a wonderful experience living, you know. We were, you know. It wasn't rigid that you had to march behind everybody, you know, one at a time. But rather, you, you had a feeling that it was a home, you know. And you, everybody liked each other. Everybody got along with each other. You know, we did things together. And I think that fostered even a greater sense of appreciation for the gift of what we're going to experience in the parish. 
And and sometimes the parish was a little difficult in the beginning, but as time went on, it got much easier, much easier. But the, the rectory became a home, mm. not just a place to live, but it came a and home. And the seminary had that feeling too, to That's a right. degree. Father okay. Jason? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, a seminary is a, a unique time because you're you're in a boiling pot. You know, it's, it's and, and you know, the way I, I tell it to the guys who are uh, kind of beginning the process of application, I said, you know, it's, when you enter seminary, you're going to be in a boiling pot. And just like with pasta, all the starch comes to the surface. <laughs> so does all the stuff in our life that we really kind of need to let go of come to the surface. And, you know, we want to we want to acknowledge that stuff and we kind of want to move past it uh, because when you move past it in the pot, you get the good pasta, mm-hmm. you know. So the same is true in our life. You want to get to the good sure. stuff. Oh yeah, um, that God has blessed us with, and so, so I I personally found seminary was was a definitely a time for growth, um, and a time for uh, growing in that awareness of my vocation and developing in my understanding. Uh, so I, I enjoyed it, and have priest friends from all over the place now because yeah, of it. Yeah, so yeah. it's that's one of the neat things. And what's interesting is I'm vocation director here in, in Trenton now, and some of the guys I hung out with in seminary were vocation directors or are vocation directors as well now. So it's kind of funny because that's it's cool. like. Sure, it's like, yeah. oh, hey, what are you doing up there? And it's yeah. kind of like our own little. Well, that's cool that so God, you, God called you and is using your call and experience of that to call others. Yeah, I found seminary at St. Charles in Philly was just great. It was like it was a bit of like being in the army with a bunch of brothers. And that melting mm-hmm. pot is like you get guys yeah. from all over and you like you kid together, you goof together. And then you also recognize, hey, the flaws that you have. And, and as you're talking about that, the pasta and the starch coming up, like, you know, if you think of I think of it like a car, you know, you're driving somewhere, but if there's things on your car or in your car that are not helping you accelerate well and dragging you down, those are the things you get rid of. Like if there's some aspect, whatever, some aspect or habit you have that you need to let go of, that's what the seminary will roll out of you. But it's a great time just like being with the guys, asking these questions, like loving God uh, together is, is pretty cool. You know, and everybody's, you have funny guys and boring guys and nerdy guys and cool guys. And, and, you, and you know what we do in co- uh, college seminary, every five years, we all get together in Bardstown, Kentucky. Hey, all right. Really for, cool. for a reunion. You know, That's we all come back for a reunion for three days, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. We leave around noontime to go back to our different you know, homes and stuff like that. And we've been doing this now for the last 25, 30 years. That's awesome. That's yep. great. Yep. And, like, I find, like, you know, you meet veterans in your parish, obviously your own family, a couple of veterans in my family, my father, my brother. I like, they talk about times when they were in basic training or in different experiences together, and priests do that too. Like, you have great memories in the seminary. It's, like, just a wonderful, yep. wonderful time. Well, that, that about wraps up our conversation today. And But before we go, I want to mention to everyone, if you could, could please continue to pray for vocations uh, to the priesthood here in the Diocese of Trenton and vocations to religious life as well. For those who are thinking about priesthood, or if you know someone who is thinking about priesthood, please uh, mention to them about our upcoming vocation pilgrimage on Saturday, August 7th. Uh, We're arranging for bus transportation to pick up both at the cathedral, uh, a co-cathedral of St. Robert's in Freehold, and also at the Diocesan Chancery in Trenton uh, to make it easy. And we're heading to the shrine of Our Lady of Chestahova uh, in Doylestown, PA, for the day. Uh, it's going to be a great opportunity to have Mass. Uh, we're going to t- take a tour of the place, have lunch there at the Shrine. Uh, and it'll be a- an awesome opportunity to get to uh, converse with other guys who are thinking about priesthood as well. And so that's going to be another exciting day. If you're thinking about priesthood or if you know someone, please extend an invitation to them for me. More information is available on our Vocations website, www.godiscallingyou.org. That's one word, godiscallingyou.org. Uh, 
Also, upcoming in November, two years ago, you may remember, we did the Called by Name program, sandwiching the National Vocations Week. And we'll be doing that again, following suit with other dioceses around the country and inviting parishes across the diocese to once again extend opportunities to to those of you in the pew uh, to write down the name of someone you think might have a vocation uh, to serve as a priest in the Diocese of Trenton. And so uh, keep an eye out for that coming in November. We'll have the pew cards in the pews. Uh, if you don't see them there, uh, feel free to uh, ask your uh, parish priest uh, on how you can submit a name, or you can contact me directly through the website godiscallingyou.org and, and pass along anybody who you think might have a vocation, and I'll be happy to reach out to them and invite them to upcoming events and gatherings so that they can learn more about the discernment process and ultimately come to know what God is calling them to do, whether that be priesthood or something else. Before we sign off, any final thoughts for young men thinking about priesthood? Father Dave, Father Stas. It's a, it's a great life. It's a wonderful life. And uh, this year, seriously, think about it. Pray over it. Talk to talk to a priest, you know, in your parish or maybe a nearby parish, but don't just let it pass you by. Think about it, pray on it, talk about it, and we look forward to seeing you one day in the Diocese of Trenton. Yeah, I'd echo that. I'd say um, if you're thinking about it, what does Jesus say? Come and you shall see, right? Just having that conversation, you know, Father Jason is very approachable. You could just send him a message, and, you know, you could email him, contact him, and, he, you know, even if your family doesn't know you're thinking about it, you could reach out, talk to the vocation director, and just start that conversation. You're not going to know until you just have that conversation. And I will say, checking out the seminary isn't fully saying yes to the priesthood, right? right. Just going to the, the fact of going to a barbecue doesn't mean you have to break up with your girlfriend. That's it. Like, you know, <laughs> shave your beard. You know what I mean? Like, you, you know, didn't do st- I didn't shave my beard either. <laughs> right. I haven't shaved in years. But like, it doesn't, it's just, it's taking the next step further. And so right. you won't know unless you go, right? So uh, don't, you know, you don't want to, I don't know. I never, when I was thinking about it, I never wanted to, like, have any regrets. So, yeah. All right, and we, we're just going to end with a prayer if we can. So we just say, Almighty God, we, uh, as you multiply the loaves, we ask you to multiply the good in, of these conversations and our listeners. Uh, you hear our hearts. Uh, you know the thoughts in our mind. So hear their thoughts, Lord, and see the concerns in their heart. We ask you to bless us, Lord. As we pray, glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. And we ask our confirmation saints to pray for us. I'll go first, Father Stosh and Father Jason. And then you at home, uh, ask your confirmation saint to pray for you because we get by with the help of our friends. So, St. Nicholas, pray for us. St. Peter, pray for, pray for us. St. Stephen, pray for us. St. Robert, pray for us. Bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs> God bless.